Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of The Chronically Courageous. I am so happy to have you here today, and I'm really excited about today's episode because one of my goals for the show is to bring you actionable tools that you can use to help improve your life. And I have Don Hassman with me here today, who is a certified hypnotherapist and advanced EFT tapping practitioner. She graduated with honors from the Hypnosis Motivation Institute in Los Angeles, and that is a nationally accredited college of of hypnotherapy. She wanted to get into this field because she really wanted to pursue the alternative and complementary holistic medicine because she herself has had medical issues from the age of three years old, and then later in life was diagnosed with not one, but two different autoimmune conditions, which we'll get into a little bit more. So Dawn has really found that strong connection, the strong mind-body connection, and the ability to really help to heal the body through the mind. So Without further ado, I am honored and pleased to introduce my guest, Dawn Hassman. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you so much, Bonnie. I'm so excited that you invited me to be a guest in your podcast. I'm very honored. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. Oh, of course. Especially during, you know, this COVID time. It's like we all need to share resources and be available for each other and support and to, to give back, you know, because there's so many tools that people can be using, but if they don't know about it, they don't have access to it. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because we will, we will touch on that a little bit later and kind of what your perspective is mm-hmm. from, you know, the, the perspective of somebody who has dealt with chronic illness all of your life. I think we have a slightly different perspective on the whole COVID situation than others. So we'll talk about that a little bit too. And it's, certainly timely. So let's kind of start, tell me a little bit just about where you were before you the decline of your health. And I know you said from the age of three, you had issues. So let's talk about like kind of how everything started and where it took you and kind of up until your first autoimmune diagnosis. Sure. So I actually started having grand mal seizures when I was three years old. And the story I heard was that we were at my aunt's house in Kansas for, for, for Christmas. I can't remember if it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but I started convulsing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time in the in the 70s, people had, you know, sometimes they had house doctors, but of course, because it's the holidays. So the story I heard was that they were told to put me on ice. And so they literally like put me in a bathtub of ice. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I'll talk about that later because in a recent, in the last year or two, I was doing a tapping session and this, this, this phrase came into my mind that I was frozen in fear. I was frozen in fear. And mm-hmm. I kept kind of like, kind of hearing it or downloading it over and over and over again. So that's how sort of it started. So I've been on major pharmaceuticals since I was three years old at the time. They use phenobarbital and dilantin, which are two major barbiturate classified drugs. That lasted until I was about 12. And then I kind of, what they call, grew out of it. And then in my college years, I got tested because my mom had low thyroid issues. And then so I got tested and I was, you know, tested positive for Hashimoto's, Mm -hmm. which is the thyroid autoimmune condition. And then that led to after college, sort of in my 30s, I started having weird symptoms like huff flashes and night sweats. And I would get really tired and fatigued. 
And, you know, like in college, it's like everyone gets tired. It's college. You right. know, you're partying <laughs> late at night and then you're trying to go to class. And, exactly. you know, it's like everyone's tired in college. I just thought it was normal, right? So then I just started experiencing other things. Like I had gallstones. I had kidney stones. I was diagnosed with IBS and, and asthma. And then... Sort of in my late 30s, I started having really bad knee problems. Mm-hmm. And I was um, supposed to take my niece to Paris. I did take my niece to Paris. Didn't cancel that trip. But two weeks before my trip, we were supposed to leave. I started having really, really, really bad, severe knee pain for no reason. And I went to a orthopedist and she noticed a little bit of a redness on my face. And she was asking me some questions and she was like, she sent me down to get labs, uh, autoimmune labs. And she was asked, you know, said like, did I, like my knees, like even going up and down stairs, getting in and out of a car was difficult without having pain and in my knee. And so she started asking me a lot of questions and sent me down for some lab work. She's like, well, you know, I want to get you tested for something called lupus. And I'm like, lupus, what is that? Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard of it before. And I looked it up and I think I had like, you know, the majority of the criteria of how they diagnose of symptoms, just symptoms. And my ANA came back positive. So she's like, you know, I think you might have this because she noticed what, what would later be, you know, described as, as a butterfly rash. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that prevalent, but it did happen. And also, sometimes going out in the sun would make me tired. And so, when once I started seeing the list of potential symptoms for lupus, I'm like, oh my god, that's got to be it, <laughs> right? So I, you know, I went to the the top lupus doctor in LA and got diagnosed with an overlap of of lupus with the Hashimoto's. And then that later, you know, turned into more fibro and then a little bit of RA diagnosis. Hmm. So, you know, there's never, typically there's never just one. So <laughs> once, true. Once, once you get the first one, that kind of like leads into other things. And yes. or, you know, some people just call it connective tissue uh, diagnosis mm-hmm. uh, disease. So, you know, and I really try hard to say that I was diagnosed with this, not that I have this. Because, right. you know, there's, I think, a part of acceptance to all this, but then there's also a part of like not identifying with it. Mm. Not Explain having... a little bit more. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, for me, I think that, you know, I don't want to identify as just being someone, I have an autoimmune condition, but that doesn't define who I am. Right. I mean, it's something that I have to be cautious with. It's something I have to be mindful with. It's something that, but I also was diagnosed with reflux. So if I have too much chocolate or too much wine yep. or a combination of those or too many spicy foods, then I'll start refluxing. Yes. So I'm aware of it, but I also, you know, I'm accepting this is something that I deal with. But I know from personal experience that there's so much you can do with your mind and with trying alternative holistic things, whether it be hypnotherapy or EFT or acupuncture or cupping or mindfulness or meditation or breath work. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just so many things, you know, you kind of just have to find what works for you and what resonates with you at that time. Right. Oh, I was just going to say, because sometimes, you know, certain like, you know, mentors like Joe Dispenza or Oprah or whoever, you know, they, they resonate with you at a certain time, but maybe not at another time, depending on what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've definitely come a long way since your initial diagnosis. But yes. I know from, from my experience, when I first received, you know, I started receiving the diagnoses and then going through that whole period of not being heard, not being validated, and then mm-hmm. finally getting a diagnosis. Tell me how you felt when you when you first did get that diagnosis before you went through all of these transformations that you know have taken you to where you are now. Well, yeah, I mean, at first I was freaked out. You know, it's like I read that like people die from it, and you know that it can get into your into your lungs and your kidneys and your organs. I mean, fortunately, I my the presenting symptoms for me never really got to that point. You know, it was mostly just the joint pain, the fatigue, the uh, tenderness, the arthritis. 
the you know, the rosacea. So at first I was freaked out and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know like how, you know, and at first they, because I also at the same time as in 2007, when I got the lupus with the overlap of Hashimoto's diagnosis, I also started having some symptoms of potential seizures again. Uh. So that was a really confusing time because I was going to get EEGs and seeing a neurologist again. And but when I was diagnosed, you know, with grand mal seizures and, and epilepsy as a child, there was no, at least my sister, middle sister or older sister won't admit dropping me on my head or hitting me over the head. But there was no like physiological reason. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it could be a possibility. You know, right. of course they keep that a secret, but there was no physiological reason for me to start having seizures. You know, some people do it because they're stressed out or because they have a car accident or there's some type of a trauma, mm-hmm. but there wasn't any like physical trauma. I mean, I think definitely as a child going through what I went through, there was emotional trauma. You know, definitely, I think, you know, sometimes not feeling like I had a voice mm-hmm. or that I could really speak up. And with, I don't know if you've, hopefully, you've never had a seizure, but. I remember like my mom cradling me and like looking up and just just feeling so out of control. Mm. I was I literally wasn't able to speak. Wow. Like I couldn't even speak if I wanted to and if I was saying things it would be like muddled, it wouldn't be words. Mm. So I remember just like looking up at my mom's face and just knowing that oh, okay, I'm having seizure, it'll be over in a few minutes. Just just hang in there. But I literally didn't have any control over my body or my voice. And I think that really stuck with me. And of course, that first time at three years old, having all of a sudden having a seizure and being put on ice, like, (laughs) you know, must've been terrifying. That's not traumatic, right? (laughs) That's not traumatic at all. Not at all. So I think for me, you know, and they tried me. So since I was having sort of symptoms again of potential seizures, they were just being cautious because of my background and they put me on anti-seizure medicine, you know, right away. Of course, they didn't put me on like the main, you know, because I, I have an old roommate actually who had brain surgery to mm. get rid of some of her epilepsy. So, you know, there are they are doing things like that, but they were just doing it more preventively. And then I went into UCLA and did this gold standard test where you actually I think it was called the telemetry unit where you stay overnight and they deemed that they weren't seizures you know, later on in life. And they immediately took me off the medicine and I was fine. Wow. So it's like, I didn't really need to be on the medicine for five years. But because I was having this mixture of all these symptoms, they didn't know, well, could the lupus be in her brain and causing, Mm. you know, because that can be a manifestation of lupus uh, as far as I know. I mean, I'm not a doctor Right. Just from what I understand and the research I've done about it. But, you know, it was scary. And I'm like, oh my God, I have a It is scary. Yeah. It's very scary. When but, you don't know what's you know, going on. Yeah. When you don't, when you don't have those answers and, you know, that right. kind of, I think uh, I'll kind of segue into something else. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you've been in that position where you have a lot of uncertainty, you don't have answers and it's, and it's frightening. Right. And I think that, yeah. yeah. And I think right now with COVID going on, so many people are feeling that same feeling maybe for the first time because they don't have the experience of, you know, chronic illness like we do. So tell me right. what, how is it affecting you and how do you think you're responding to it maybe slightly differently than normal people would? Right. People who don't have chronic illness right. yeah, or right. a condition. Well, I am actually fairly calm about getting the actual virus. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty like, I feel that my, my, my immune system has gotten so strong from the things that I do and the preventative things that I do and, and you know, just that I feel pretty calm about it. Surprisingly, because a lot of people are like, oh, you have lupus. Are you concerned? And I actually am the group facilitator for one of the Lupus LA support groups, which now we're doing via Zoom, of course. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of concern right now with lupus patients, especially over the Plaquenil, the hydrochloroquine issue. Fortunately, I was able to get, you know, my three month dose of Plaquenil. Mm. So I feel okay about it. Um, but there's many patients who, you know, were, were working with Lupus LA to 
try to help them find medicine because, you know, the president's like, oh, I might just take it myself preventively. And of course, then the patients who actually need it right now aren't able to get it. And, you know, I think it's great that they're using it. And Mm -hmm. in certain circumstances, it's helping COVID patients. Right. But yeah, you know, surprisingly, I'm pretty calm. I mean, I'm being very cautious when I go out and constantly shirelling my hands and wearing a mask and trying to limit contact. And, yep. But I feel pr- like my system right now is pretty strong. Good. Good, good. So I feel pretty calm about it, surprisingly. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I, it's funny because I think that's sort of, at least from the people that I've spoken to and, and for myself, I feel the same. I feel like, you know, there's that you know, we've gone through those periods of having to be isolated and, right. you know, not, not going out and not being, you know, having kind of our freedoms taken away from us. Right. So, and, you know, we've, we've been in such a dark place and a place of, you know, unwellness before that it's not that foreign to us, you know? Right. So I, I think in some ways that's a gift that we have, that we can have the tools to deal with this because of what we've been through before, Right. And that we're able to pivot a little bit easier. Exactly. Yeah. Because like you can either feed into the fear or you can feed into, you know, just like we talk about in in our mastermind class, it's like we, Mm -hmm. you know, you can either feed into it or just look and be grateful every day for what we do have and our health, however we're feeling that day or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about like, what are, what are the things that you've done, you know, since getting diagnosed and um, mm-hmm. to where you are now, it sounds like you've done a, a lot of, you know, self-work and you found a lot of things that have helped you. Talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. Well, it's interesting because I think I felt worse when I was like on sort of these major drugs. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, my body like takes to that. So just first of all, having being comfortable with having a voice, you know, because doctors are wonderful. Western medicine is wonderful, but I think, I think it can only take you so far. And, you know, doctors are just doing the best they can with the information that they're given Mm -hmm. and what they're trained in. And so I was fortunate that I, my rheumatologist that I had at UCLA, she actually moved and I was assigned to a different rheumatologist who had studied uh, under Dr. Wheel, actually, in that her fellowship with Dr. Wheel in Arizona. So she was very kind of holistic oriented. And, you know, so I started studying, you know, hypnotherapy and um, I'd already been doing acupuncture. So I pretty regularly do acupuncture. I also started to do breath work. Mm-hmm. sessions. There was, there's a guy here in LA. I mean, there's many teachers here in LA <laughs> that yes. do kind of like a breath work and then sound bath. And also there was a breath work teacher at HMI College of Hypnotherapy where I went. And I was also familiar with cupping and I would do, you know, at the East West Clinic, the trigger point injections. But these are things and I also saw a naturopath, which was a huge help. Mm. And I also started to follow um, Anthony Williams, also known as the medical medium and really learned about, you know, nutrition and ways of eating and cutting back on my protein intake. So I think a combination of how I eat was a big thing. And then also the holistic stuff, you know, the yeah. acupuncture, the cupping, meditation. I take in a mindfulness class also at UCLA. Mm. Uh, since I live in LA, UCLA is a big part of a lot of things. Right. And that's the network that I'm in for my health insurance. So right. a lot of my doctors are at UCLA, but I also saw a naturopath and she recommended some great supplements and because I also used to get like chronic sinus infections. And, mm-hmm. you know, yep. it's like, it's never just like one or two things. It's like, whether you have IBS or, you know, this or that. But it's interesting because a lot of that stuff has resolved itself. It's like, wonderful. I don't, I don't even have asthma anymore. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of that, I think, was the reflux cough that I was mm-hmm. getting. And, and because I was drinking caffeine and, you know, eating chocolate and acidic things. And once I kind of learned how to like balance my pH, but I think, you know, the mindfulness stuff and, you know, for me, the big game changer was really EFT tapping yeah. because I feel like I was a suppressor of emotions. Mm. And I think literally because I could, you know, during seizures, I couldn't speak. And that, you know, kind of, 
you know, parlayed into other areas of my life that I just didn't feel comfortable speaking up for myself. And I remember like being in school and like the way I would deal with like conflict was just to like start laughing. Like if I was in class and, you know, um, my mom actually took us out of Catholic school because teachers didn't understand my condition and they were being really Mm -hmm. hard on me. Mm -hmm. And so my mom pulled us out and put us into private school in New Jersey before we moved to California. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, just... So for me, the big thing was was tapping, but the combination of everything. Right. And also just being more present, being like, okay, you know, I'm responsible for my own well-being. I'm responsible for my health. Yes, the doctors can give me advice. They can give me guidance, but I'm the one ultimately who, who needs to take charge of my well-being and being your own advocate. Yes. You know, whether it's like, oh, this, I'm having a side effect or I don't feel, you know, that great on this medicine or can we try something different? Like speaking up for yourself Mm -hmm. and being prepared because, you know, no one else is going to do it for you. You're right. You're right. And it's funny. I, I, I so relate to that. I mean, you know, for so many years feeling like you didn't have a voice so that you wouldn't hurt, you weren't heard. And then... It's, or know, that the doctors didn't care. You were just like another right. number. Yeah. Or thinking, you know, that the doctors have all the answers, which we know now they don't. I mean, there's some <laughs> wonderful doctors out there, but there they are. don't know all necessarily. And I right. think, you know, the way that so many of us are raised, we're raised to believe, <laughs> oh, if the doctor says it, it must be so. Right. And that's not always the case. So yeah, I yeah. commend you for really, you know, having finding your voice and advocating for yourself. It's so, so important. And uh, and also finding doctors that align with your belief system. Right. You know, that's important as well. You know, if you don't feel like you're really connecting with your doctor, you know, for a couple of years, a rheumatologist, yeah, she would ask me the right same questions everyone else would. But at that time, things weren't really like things were kind of stable. And so, but once I started learning, you know, what I learned with hypnotherapy and EFT, and I also am a level of Reiki 2 practitioner. I don't really offer that like publicly, but I do Reiki on myself mm-hmm. and learning about energy healing. Because when you think about it, we're all energy. Yes. Our bodies are made of energy. Our cells are made of energy. This table's made of energy. Mm-hmm. This chair I'm sitting on is made of energy. So, you know, when I look back into time and stuff, it's like, well, you know, I think medicine was sort of adapted to for like the times and everyone just wants a quick fix. Absolutely. You know, they want to take a pill and feel better. But when you start going back to the basics of eating well and exercising and, and getting rest and surrounding yourself with people who are loving and caring mm. or cutting out toxic people in your life or people who are like, oh, you can't, you can't do that. You can never do that. You know, right. all that stuff is like... Sometimes we take it in and sometimes our stories and our beliefs aren't even ours. Yes. There's something that we picked up from other people and all of that gets absorbed, especially when you're a child. Yes. You know, that, that time period from when you're, you know, born to eight years old, you're just like a sponge, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So having gone through the epilepsy and other people's opinions about what I'm experiencing and not feeling like I had a voice and not being able to express, you know, anger or guilt or rage, you know, in a, in a productive, positive way, I think for me led to a lot of my autoimmune things later on in life. And actually my rheumatologist is finding more and more uh, articles and evidence that a lot of autoimmune is being linked. Mm. Diagnoses is being linked to early childhood trauma. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that too. And it's it's not at all surprising, I think. I mean, right. just you know, the way our bodies respond to stress results in disease many times. So And sometimes when you have chronic illness or, or conditions, your like body thinks you're in that fight, flight, freeze mode mm-hmm. already. Right. You know, and the thoughts we think, like, oh my God, I'm gonna get COVID and I'm gonna die. I mean, that's fear, that's fear-based. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could get the flu and die. I can, you know, get a cold and die. Like I walk across the street on my walk and die. You know what I mean? Like, true, very true. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. there's this hype and and you know, I don't I mean, I'm informed, but I don't like really buy it or like listen to the news all the time or you know, I'm very conscious and mindful of what I allow to bring into my space. It's beautiful. Wonderful. I commend you for that because I know it takes a lot of work and it's taken me it a does. lot of work to do that too. And, but it, you know, when it comes down to it, that's, it's a matter of taking control of our health and taking our lives back. 
And it really is dependent upon so many of those decisions we make on a you know daily, hourly basis, what to let into our lives. Right. And and what people too, you know, oh, they say like pro- prox- proximity is power and the five people you surround yourself with are who you become. And so you really have to like evaluate your, you know, what works for you. Absolutely. Could not yeah. agree more. <laughs> so how do you think going through all this has changed you? And, and what do you think are maybe some of the, the gifts that you've received from all of it? Yeah. Well, I think it definitely has made me a stronger person and not just, you know, physically, but also mentally and, and realizing that like I'm responsible for myself and I'm responsible for the thoughts I think. And yeah, I mean, just like everyone else, I've, you know, especially the last month being, you know, quarantined or having to stay at home, you know, whatever you want to call it. Right. It's like I I've definitely had moments where my my mindset just goes there. Like, oh my God, you know, when am I gonna be able to start seeing clients in person again? I mean, of course I can see clients online and over the phone, but you know, some people prefer to be in one-on-one sessions in person. And so mm-hmm. and then and also just having not being afraid of my voice and being afraid of what I have to say and being vulnerable with that and mm-hmm. sharing it because you know sort of like the more you start speaking up about things and you share it with people you'll find that other people feel the same way yes but it's so i think those taboo subjects of oh you don't talk about that you know you don't mm-hmm. talk about your health you don't talk about what you're going through but if other people are going through it then there's that connection and Absolutely. there's that ability to help each other through it and be like, okay, I get it. Yes. You know, you can't get out of bed. It's not just like, oh, I'm lazy. And sometimes it is because I'm lazy. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes it, it's just because like, you know, you're not feeling well. Or if it like, you know, yesterday it rained or last week it rained and today it's sunny. And like mine, because I've had two knee replacement surgeries mm. now. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't just like the osteoarthritis. It was also meniscus tears and necrosis, which... I didn't realize your bones could die. Oh, <laughs> I never yeah, knew right. that. I'm like, what? That was something I learned so, recently too. Not through personal experience, but yes, right. someone in my one of my groups also had the same the same situation. Interesting. So I think it just makes you resilient and makes mm. you stronger. And also, like I said, just you know, sifting through the information that you're getting and just saying, okay, what feels right for me? Yes. Absolutely. You know, that's a big, a big part of it. Then, you know, earlier, like you said, in my diagnosis, it's like, oh, I just believe what they told me. I just took what they told me. But, you know, you, you just, you have to be your own advocate. And it's not easy to do that sometimes. But Mm-mm. the more you put yourself out there and the more you speak up for yourself, the easier it'll get. Right. Yeah. So if you could, if you could kind of go back to earlier in your life, maybe in your, your childhood, since that's when all this started, what, mm-hmm. what advice, like knowing now what you know, what, what advice would you give your younger self? It's mm, such a great question. I would just say, don't, you know, don't be afraid to speak up for yourself and don't, you know, like it's okay to feel your feelings. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that was a lot of it for me. I, you know, I, I didn't allow myself to feel my feelings. I'm like, no, I can't feel that. That's wrong. That's bad. You know, it's right. like all these things like, no, that's bad to feel that way. That's wrong to feel that way. So I didn't give myself permission to be okay to have those feelings, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and just like in any family unit, you know, there was some, you know, discord in the family unit, you know, you hear your parents fighting and like, but I think that, and I think also what would be really helpful for kids is, learning coping techniques and yes. coping mechanisms because i don't think that's at least you know when i was raised in the 70s and 80s that wasn't really that important they that taught you about you know science and math and english and this and that and you know you got to get into a good college in order to get a good job and you know i think my dad always thought that oh you know my girls will get married and be taken care of you right, know right. so he never really he never really like pushed us like professionally you know to be yep. like uh, our own people, or you know, he always just thought we'd be taken care of, and that was just the time. You Very know, old, the old school ways of thinking. Old school, yes, yeah. Yes. And so I think it, you know, it would have been helpful to have more like 
coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. you know, to, to know how to deal with your feelings. But my mom was, you know, and she is still a very loving, caring person. And she was my main caregiver. You know, mm. she took me to all of my doctor's appointments and she'd always make it fun. Like if we, because when I had uh, the seizures and epilepsy, we lived in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So she, we would go into New York to see the, you know, the doctors there and she would make it fun and we make like an afternoon out of it. So she always tried to make it really fun. And I always felt really safe and supported mm, so by, by her. Yeah. So tell me, let's talk more. Let's get into the, I want to get a little deeper into the EFT topic. Mm-hmm. Can you just give like a, like maybe a two minute overview of what it is and explain to the audience what, what it is, what it does? Sure. So EFT tapping stands for emotional freedom technique. And it was a a technique that Gary Craig uh, really brought to the forefront. It was derived from uh, Roger Callahan's thought field therapy. He was a psychologist. And so basically what it comes down to is I sort of describe it as acupressure for your emotions, but without the needles. So instead of using... It's based on the Eastern meridian points, the Chinese meridian points, because we all have meridians that go through our body. And so what we're doing literally is we're just lightly tapping with our end of the fingertips while we're talking about a negative emotion, like, oh, I'm angry at my brother, or I'm upset that I can't go outside and, you know, go for a walk or go to a movie, you know, whatever it is, even if it feels like something silly, like if it feels like, oh, I, you know... I'm angry at my roommate for, you know, burning my pan or whatever, you know, Um, it can be, it can be anything, but you know, for me, it's like, I feel like I had a lot of guilt and shame over feelings I had as a child. And, and once I started releasing that, so you're, you're basically couching like a positive with a negative. You're saying, even though I feel this way and it can be used for, you know, food cravings that can be used for, I've used it for allergies. I've used it during hot flashes, um, old stories, negative beliefs. It's not just about emotions. It can be used for literally anything, but you're, what it's doing is you're, by tapping, you're activating that parasympathetic nervous system, you know, because when you're in that fight, flight, freeze mode and anger or road rage, or, you know, when we used to be able to drive, <laughs> having road rage, um, whatever it is, your mind thinks that your body is in that flight, fight, flight, freeze mode. So by tapping, we're activating the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system and we're creating new neural pathways to the brain Hmm. to say, Hey, you know, it's okay. We're not, we're safe right now. We're grounded, we're centered, we're focused. And it also, what it does is is it helps to get you in the present moment. Hmm. And when you're in the present moment, you can't be thinking about yesterday or tomorrow, right? You're just being present and focused and centered and grounded. Mm -hmm. And it's a really great way to as my mentor and teacher, EFT teachers would say, Susie Kappas at HMI, tap the crap. <laughs> and I think, you know, I like um, yeah. And Louise Hay said, you know, when interviewed by one of the tapping experts, he's like, well, why do you want to tap on the negative? And she said, well, and I'm paraphrasing here. Well, how do you expect to clean a house if you can't see the dirt? Mm. So that's what we're doing. We're bringing up the dirt. And then we're sweeping it away, basically. Right. And and I had the privilege of going through mm. tapping with Dawn. <laughs> I was one of her clients and hope to do it again, actually. It yes. was amazingly yeah. helpful. It was just, you know, we taught we tapped on some of my kind of earlier traumas, which I think we, you know, we spoke of before. A lot of that trauma is probably connected to the exacerbation of whatever physical conditions we have. So getting to the root of that and clearing it away can be so, so helpful. And um, I just found it to be such a quick... I mean, you know, we look for a quick fix. Everybody wants a quick fix. Everyone wants to feel better right away. And when we did our tapping session inside of an hour, I felt remarkably better, calmer, more centered more present, all of those things that you talked about. So mm-hmm. I, I have personally benefited from it a lot. And I've done it at other points in my life as well. And I, I really think it's a great, great modality. So highly recommend, you know, if anybody is interested in finding out more about it, we'll talk about at the end how to, how to reach out to Dawn and uh, find out more about it and the sessions that she offers. And of course, now in, in COVID time, she's offering Zoom sessions, I believe, right, mm-hmm. Dawn? 
Yes. Zoom or, or telephone. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's great to be Zoom because then you can see each other. But if someone isn't technologically, we can also do it over the phone. But, but definitely for me, I think after clearing away a lot of those suppressed, because suppressed emotions, even if you're not speaking them out loud, you're still thinking them. Mm -hmm. And so, and your body doesn't have the capacity to make that difference, that differential. If you're actually, you know, it just, if you're thinking it or if you're saying it or feeling it, then your body knows it, you know, your body. So, you know, the mind body connection is, there's no separating the two, you know? So even, and you can even use it for anticipatory anxiety. Say you're Mm. going on a date or you're going for a job interview, you know, those stories that we tell, oh, they're not going to like me. They're not going to like, you know, I'm not going to get the job. Like, you know, these negative things, it's like, why do we do that to ourselves? Well, we do it because our mind, our subconscious mind, which is 95% of why we do what we do is is geared to the negative because its job is to keep us safe. Yes. And if your mind thinks that it's safer for you to hold on to all those sub that subconscious crap or those negative beliefs or those stories or maybe it's even ancestral stuff or stuff mm-hmm. that you picked up from your parents. It's not even your stuff. Like epi- epigenetics stuff, Ep- right? Epigenetics. Right. And in, in quantum physics, it's like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's generational. Like say, sure. you know, your, your grandma like was like a penny pincher and, and you're not making money. Maybe you picked it up from her. So, and, and it can also be used not only in this time and space, but other, you know, past, present, and future across all any timelines or any, you know, boundaries of time or space. Right. So Incredible. it's a really, really powerful tool. So but I'm powerful. so glad that you benefit fr- benefited from it. I and did. I really, I really did. I, I, I wouldn't say that if I honestly didn't feel it, you know, right. because I'm, I'm here, I'm here for one reason right now and that's to help people. So. Right. No, I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast. Thank I think you. it's amazing that you're getting things out there and getting different tools and interviewing different people because I think it's so important for this community of people who have been diagnosed with chronic conditions mm-hmm. to support each other Absolutely. and to speak up. Yes. You know, if you feel like there's something on the, on your heart, if you feel like you have a message, get it out there. Don't be afraid because don't be afraid to speak up or, you know, have your own Facebook group or whatever it is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we talked a little bit before about the vulnerability and vulnerability can be really scary, but once you take it by the reins and you just put mm-hmm. things out there, it, it kind of takes away its power. It takes away the power of whatever that fear is or whatever that, right. You know, that emotion that you were holding inside, it just, kind of, it's just, it's healing. It's very, very healing. So, so the next thing I'd like to do, Dawn, a little surprise, (laughs) (laughs) not to scare you. (laughs) I call this the rapid fire section. And um, it's kind of like a fill in the blank, like a few questions where I'd like you to answer in like, you know, two words to one sentence, you know, a word to a sentence and just, uh, and quickly give me your thoughts on it. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yes. All right, here we go. <laughs> Hold on tight. Chronic illness has made me more resilient and powerful. Mm. The one thing I wish healthy people would understand about chronic illness is that sometimes it's invisible. Yes, absolutely. I wish other people without chronic illness would well, the one thing I I remember that really bothered me was like, you don't look sick. Yeah, <laughs> that oh. was like the thing I I really just oh, yes. and people or when you go to a doctor, well, you're too young to have these issues. Oh. And these were doctors saying this. Absolutely, like, and you are singing oh to the choir. God. I mean, I, I if I had a dollar for every time I heard that in my life, I'm I still know. here, even with my. My, you know, sheet of, you know, all my ailments. I, it, I still, I you know, go into a hospital emergency room or something. They're like, wait, you don't match what's mm-hmm. on this paper. Like, I look at you and I, can't, I, there can't possibly be true. And I'm like, well, you know, like lucky me. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, well, if you could diagnose these things by looking at a person, then boy, oh boy, do you have a an interesting career ahead? But that's just mm-hmm. not the way it works. 
If I could eliminate just one of my symptoms, it would be oh, the hot flashes. <laughs> hot flashes, really? <laughs> Well, I'm also in that perimenopausal stage. So I just turned 50 a few weeks ago during COVID. So I couldn't really celebrate the way I wanted to, but that's okay. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. I still enjoyed it. (laughs) Good, good, good. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of missed uh, celebrations. I know. We're going to have a lot of celebrating to do when this is all over, right? Yes. Well, and that's the thing too, is like not seeing this time as like a crutch. Mm-hmm. But seeing it as an opportunity. Yes. And an opportunity, like if you wanted to write a book or if you have, if you aren't working and you have the gift of time, it's like by using that. Absolutely. And, you know, just you see, like I see people connecting in a way that I've never seen people like my community connect before. So it's really interesting. And even like now we're having family Zoom calls, which we never did before. We so are it's too. interesting. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, it's kind of fun as long as your internet connection's working, and I'm glad it is right now. <laughs> like, thank God it's uh, it's staying put. The internet gods are in our favor today. Yes. Okay. So, last rapid fire is the most valuable lesson I've learned through this journey has been just finding my voice. Yeah, finding my voice and speaking up. I think you know like we've all learned, it's like everyone wants to be seen and heard and valued. And I think that for me, it's like, yes, I had a voice as a kid. And I'm sure my sisters would attest to that, that it was very, it was Aries and being stubborn and being, you know, but it wasn't, I don't think it was my, like my soul's voice, Mm -hmm. you know, and just so finding and connecting to whatever you believe the higher being is or universe or whatever it is, just, you know, and, and just being still and listening, Yes, listening to your body, listening to your messages, listening to your intuition, listening to your own self, because no one outside of you can have all the answers. Sometimes you have to go, go within right. to find those answers. And I'm still working on that myself, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think we all are. We're all works in progress, but I honor exactly. you for all the work you've done. And clearly you have done a lot of work and it's beautiful to, to see and witness. And I'm so grateful that you were able to share all of it with yeah. us because we're going to help a lot of people by doing this. I really thank believe you. that. So thank you for sharing well, all your in- gifts. Well, it's interesting because when I was going through the year program of HMI and hypnotherapy school where, where I learned EFT tapping and then also Reiki, mm-hmm. you know, for the first time after that year that my lab work, my autoimmune lab work that had been abnormal or up and down came with a normal range for the first time in 10 years. Wow. And my doctors and people who knew me, they'd be like, okay, I know it's you, but like, you just seem different. And they're like, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. And because I had reduced my own stress level and really just started focusing on my health and my well-being and my mental and emotional well-being and clearing the crap by doing some of these modalities, whether it be breath work or tapping, I feel that, you know, because obviously everyone agrees that stress is a huge mm. contributor. So you like, you got to get that shit under control. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Like, because if you don't address it, if you just keep suppressing it or saying, oh, I'll deal with it another time. And you know, I mean, there's definitely trauma, past trauma in, in the past that I still have to deal with. You know, I had an abusive boyfriend in high school. And so when I went off to college, I just kind of like went away. And, you know, part of me, I don't think has really dealt with that. So it's like, okay... I got to eventually deal with that. And if I don't, you know, that's my own bad, you know, that's my own doing because it's like, I know it's there. I never really went to therapy or, you know, anything like that. But so that, that, that kind of stuff is the stuff that you still need to, if it's still coming up for you and if you're still thinking about it, then it's something that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny because in, you know, since I've, received my more recent diagnoses like five years mm-hmm. ago. I've mm-hmm. I've really gotten to know one of the gifts for me has been getting to know so many people in this community. And it seems like there is a real common thread between people and having their having childhood trauma or, you know, early adult trauma. Right. And I see that more and more. It's like all of us seem to have very interesting lives. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I do really believe that there is a strong connection there between that. And, you know, maybe some people have the genetic propensity for certain things, but then you you mix the trauma in with that and mm-hmm. it, you know, kind of makes things explode into what, right. whatever. Compounds. Right. Compounds yeah. it and mm-hmm. definitely is a contributor. But, but yeah, so for me, you know, that year of like learning and then starting to integrate things. I mean, I was even under the supervision of my doctor, of course, able to wean off some medicine because uh. my lab work started to come with a normal range and my sed rate came down. And, you know, after a year or two of being in that same level, I, I asked my doctor, I'm the one who brought it up. I said, hey, can I try starting to reduce off some medicine? And I used to have at least like five or six prescription bottles. Now I'm down to like, I think one or two. Terrific. You know? And so, yeah, that was a huge win for me was being able to reduce off some medicine. And, you know, even now I still maintain it because I still, you know, do a lot of these things on a daily basis. It's wonderful. So, That's yeah. awesome. So let me ask you this. I'd like to be able to have people be able to reach out to you if they're interested in EFT tapping. Oh, sure. Can you tell us where we can reach you? Yes. Well, so if you're on Facebook, I actually have a a free EFT Tapping for You Facebook group. So I think it's just, yeah, EFT Tapping for You, Y-O-U, with an exclamation point. And then my website is uh, dawnhypnotherapy.com. And or they can email me. My email is dawn at dawnhypnotherapy.com. And then I also have a Facebook page of the same name, facebook.com, Dawn Hypnotherapy and EFT Tapping. But yeah, it's been a huge game changer for me. And and a lot of my clients, whether I see them online or over the phone or in person, eventually again, you know, I find that that doing a combination is even great. But there's some people who just find me for EFT tapping and that's okay too. But yeah, and I would love to offer your your listeners, you know, a uh, a Bonnie discount. Oh, wonderful. Of, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, if they contact me, just ask for the ask for the Bonnie discount. Terrific. And I would be happy to to work with them. But yeah, it's a really great tool and you know, there's a lot of online videos they can look up and I also have videos on my Facebook page and YouTube channel as well. So I can I can give you that information to put in the show notes. Terrific. Um, with, with links. But you know, again, also the the thing that's important about tapping is yeah, online videos are great, you know, for general guidance. But when you're dealing with specific issues, it's really, especially if you've had trauma in your past, it's really important, I think, at first to work with a practitioner. Yes. And then the practitioner will give you guidance about what to tap on when you're doing it at home. But, you know, some of the suppressed emotions that I had, you know, kind of buried away for like 30, 40 years were, you know, it took me a couple months to really get through that. And so sometimes, yes, you can feel an instant release. And sometimes people say, well, I don't know if it's really working, but I just... I just feel different or mm-hmm. I just feel better. You know, a lot of comments, sure. a lot of clients will comment like that. You know, sometimes it's very specific. Sometimes it's more like general, like, oh, I just feel more calm or I mm-hmm. feel more like peaceful. Like I feel like I just released something, you know, right. so it's so interesting. Um, yeah, they don't know quite what they're feeling, but they know they're feeling something. Right, so. right. They notice the difference, but they can't quite, you know, put it into uh, words, but right. it's, it's, it's really interesting. And so, everyone responds differently. And sometimes, you know, you'll release and sometimes it may take some time or, you know, sometimes you need to be more specific about what it is you're feeling. Right. But it's, it is important though, to just say the words out loud mm-hmm. if you can. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're in a place that you can't, like a bathroom stall, like a public bathroom stall, you can just kind of mumble it and like tap away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but there's just 10 points. So it's very, you know, it's a very forgiving process. The important thing is to, to start. Sure. Just like with any practice, with whether it's meditation or, you know, listening to podcasts or, you know, anything like that, you, the important thing is just to do it. As it starts. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Find, well, find what resonates with you. Definitely. So yes, I will definitely include um, all those resources in the show notes so that people can find you. Great. And thank you for giving the, the chronically courageous discount. That's wonderful. 
Yes. <laughs> so let me ask you, I want to kind of wrap it up with one final question. What is it that makes you chronically courageous? I just think the day-to-day, you know, just knowing that I'm being as healthy as I possibly can be mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and just realizing that that is the most important thing. Because if I'm not grounded and centered, then I can't really help other people. Yes. So I think my... You know, I'd always been interested in holistic medicine and my mom was into psychics growing up. And, you know, so I was always sort of exposed to this, you know, energy, kind of energy work and energy medicine. And to me, I just think that it's just so important because it really takes into account, you know, the whole gamut of not only physical, but emotional and mental and spiritual. And it just brings it all together. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And and finding people who support that, you know, that's important too. And knowing like, okay, well, this friend isn't, you know, as open to that. So I'm going to go talk to this friend and knowing, you know, your, your people, your people that you feel comfortable with. And when I went to hypnotherapy school, I feel like I found my people mm-hmm. after years of feeling like, a weirdo or freak. Right, right. Well, I think that's why you and I connected so quickly too. I mean, not only do we have all this chronic illness stuff in common, but I think we also have a similar approach. I mean, you know, I combine Eastern and Western medicine. I I feel like there's certain things I need to take, certain medicines I need to take. Right. I'm a big believer too. And, you know, the whole energy healing and, and tapping and whatever, whatever other naturopathic things we can do to, to heal. I think it's just mm-hmm. such a, a mix of so many different things. And the more that we can incorporate, the better off we'll be. So, right. So thank you again so much for oh, joining. Dawn. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and. Yeah, I was really honored. So thank you. Yes. And I think you're amazing and you're Aww. doing amazing work. And I'm so proud of you for putting this podcast together. And I just think you're amazing and so inspiring to so many people. And I'm so glad that we got to meet. Me too. <laughs> thank you. That was, yeah. that was really, really sweet of you to say. And yeah, I, I too, I'm honored. I'm inspired by you and you know, the fact that you're, you know, you're leading groups of, of people and supporting them and you're, you know, and you're helping people with holistic techniques and yeah. And just by being here today, we're helping people. So together, which is a beautiful thing. It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of the chronically courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at thechronicallycourageous.com. That's B-O-N-N-I at thechronicallycourageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.